Well, good evening. It's good to see all you out, all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for tonight concludes a section of our one-word book, and uh, tonight's lesson is going to be on hope, and then we'll have a whole new idea or thought process for the next week. As we look at hope, hope is something that is important to us. It is something that we as Christians have that the world does not have. And it's something that we should treasure, something that we should cherish. But what do we know about hope? What is hope, really? By definition, hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. It is also defined as a feeling of trust. That's the noun form. The verb form is defined as what wants something to happen or be the case. What are some things that we might hope for? And when we think of the word hope, we, we probably think in a, a worldly sense. We might think of material possessions. There might be certain things that we hope for materialistically. Uh, whenever we had the Mazda, I know that that was one of the things that uh, we hoped for something different because that Mazda was awful. Uh, but maybe it is a new car. Or maybe it's a television or a computer, etc. We may hope to receive these as gifts or to have the ability to one day purchase them, but they are things that we one day hope to possess. Maybe it's hope for a relationship, maybe a blossoming relationship. A hope that can, it continues to grow and to improve, especially when we're younger, when we're dating. We might hope for a certain relationship to prosper in that regard. Uh, maybe more time with older loved ones who we know will eventually pass from this life. And maybe it's hope for a career, a job promotion, or maybe just to get a job that we want. Uh, when we're in school, we hope for good grades on a test or a report card so that we don't get punished. We might have many different things that we hope for. But what about our religious hopes? What kind of things do we hope for religiously? Many hope that they are saved. Maybe they are unsure. Although if our heart is right with God, if we have obeyed the gospel the way that it's presented in Scripture, then we really have no reason to hope for that. We should know that we are saved. But there are many people that, that just hope that they're going to get by. We hope and wait for the promised return of our Savior to receive His own to Himself. And we hope for eternity with God. And we'll talk a little bit more about these throughout our lesson. Some things that we learn about hope. First of all, hoping always entails waiting. Though not all waiting is done in hope. The object of the hope determines the quality of the hope. And Christian hope is not just a maybe, but an expectation. Whenever it comes to what we hope for, religiously speaking, we expect for those things to come to pass because they have been promised by God. And therefore, hope for Christians means waiting 
with joyful optimism and confident trust for the fulfillment of the promises of God. As I was thinking of what to, what direction to take this lesson on hope, I had a kind of a, a random thought process that I followed through, and hopefully you can follow my thoughts. But when we look at hope, it's included with two other characteristics, and that is faith and love. So I want us to, to look for a moment at faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love are described as the greatest characteristics in the life of a Christian. We look at the end of 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. It said, Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. But as we look at faith, hope, and love, how are they connected? Other than, than just this verse, uh, do they have any other connection in Scripture? Let's look first of all at faith. Faith is essential to the life of a Christian. But what is faith and, and how does it come to us? Look at Romans chapter 10. Let's start reading at verse 10. And we'll read through verse 17. It says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith, we learn, is a matter of the heart. Faith comes to us when we hear the gospel and choose to accept it as truth when we believe it. And without faith, there is no reason to live the life of a Christian. Notice what is said in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith. Faith is so important that without it, what would be the reason for hope and love? Let's look at hope. Hope is also a matter of the heart, and it is connected to faith. Notice what is said in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith allows us to believe that our hopes are possible. As Christians we hope for the return of Christ to receive us unto himself and a heavenly reward at the end of our journey. And faith. Faith makes these hopes and dreams a reality. 
Hope was the motivation for the faith of our forefathers. Hebrews 11 and verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. If faith in their reward had not been present, what would have motivated them to live the lives of faithfulness that they did? They had something they hoped for that they, they expected to happen because they believed, because they had faith. Faith proved to them that these hopes were a reality and hope proved their faith to be meaningful. So faith and hope are very much connected. Let's look at love. Love is commanded of us as Christians and helps us fulfill the laws of God. In Matthew 22, starting with verse 35, we read this. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him in verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love also gives meaning and purpose to faithful living. 1 Corinthians 13, in the first three verses, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Faith is meaningless without love. And really and truly hope also is meaningless without love. And so we have these three. All three are used as elements of defense for the Christian so that he might obtain the reward. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 6 through 10. Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. And read that last verse again. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. 
For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Without faith, hope, and love, salvation from sin is not possible. Let's look at hope for the followers of God and Christ. As we look through history, we see many people who have had hopes placed in God. For 400 years, the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians before Moses led them out of bondage. And though they hoped for freedom, many were unable to see it personally. But they passed this hope down to their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren and so forth until what they hoped for came to pass. And it did. It took a very long time. But it did come to pass. Jeremiah wrote to impart hope to those of Judah and Israel who were exiled in Babylon Hope that they would one day return to their homeland, Jerusalem, though their exile would last for 70 years. In Jeremiah 29, verses 10 and 11, For thus says the Lord, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Verse 11 is used on many occasions and, and maybe more so out of context than any other but, but the context here is, is talking about those in Babylon that would one day return. And while they are waiting, hoping and expecting this to happen they are not to settle themselves in their new lives until this day approaches. For a very long time there were many who awaited the coming of Christ into the world. And some got to see it. The shepherds. Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse 8. Luke 2 and verse 8 now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Verse 15, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
That's always been a curious verse to me. I think of often. In verse 20, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. They were able to see the embodiment of this hope. They had hoped for the Messiah, and He did come. And they were able to see Him personally. And we're also told in chapter 2 of Simeon and Anna, beginning in verse 22 of Luke 2. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. In verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Well, we can't see from the shepherd's point of view and we can't see from Simeon or Anna's point of view either. You see, our generation has always known of Christ. We've know, known that He exist, or existed on earth and that He exists today in heaven. Many of us have been raised in the church. We've been taught these things all of our lives. We know that having already come and gone back to heaven to be with His Father that we are awaiting His return. And so today our hope is in an eventual resurrection from the dead when Christ does return for His own. We read of the promised return of Christ in 1 Thessalonians beginning with verse 4 or chapter 4 and verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. There's a great fear that those that had passed away would not see Christ when he returned. But Paul assured the people that remained that their loved ones who had passed from this life those who had been faithful would also see Christ when he returned. The dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we have this hope. We have this, this, this expectation of this resurrection. Paul began this portion of his letter. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. There is certainly hope in Christianity. Paul, speaking before the Sanhedrin Council, in Acts chapter 23, beginning with verse 6, read this. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. And no angel or spirit. But the Pharisees confessed both. And then there arose a loud cry, outcry. And the scribes of the Pharisees party arose and protested saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Now when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. Something that I was taught when I was a child in realizing the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees is basically their hope of a resurrection. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but the Sadducees did not. In the words of a kid's song, that's why they're so sad, you see. Though the Sadducees were religious, they had, or they were, so without hope of resurrection from the dead and eternity with God. I find that interesting, that they were religious, though they didn't have the hope of these things in mind. But returning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, we understand that Christians have reason for hope. Concerning loved ones who have already passed, we have hope 
This is not the end. And they will see the return of Christ. Just as we will if we remain faithful. And concerning our own resurrection, we have hope. Christ will return for us as He has promised. And even if we're still alive, we'll see Christ and He will take us to be with Him. Until the day of His return, we live with the expectation that this will come to pass just as God has promised. We have reason for hope. But something that we have to realize about this hope is something that I mentioned in our introduction. Hope is not given to everyone at least from a spiritual standpoint. We understand that there are many who live without Christ. Those who have not obeyed the gospel. Those who are not Christians. Those who have refused Him. And they live without hope. We often speak of the darkness of the world. And even though the sun may be shining bright, there are many who are living lives in darkness. It's not a darkness that we can see physically. They're not shadowed all the time, physically speaking. But they do live in darkness. They, they don't know of the hope that we know of as Christians. Hope is a, a wonderful thing to possess. But it is only offered to those of us who are in Christ. I don't know where you stand tonight in your relationship with Christ. I don't know if you're a faithful child of God or not. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you need to ask for prayers on your behalf or for forgiveness for something that you've done. But if you're living without hope, you know, I remember when I became a Christian, you know, just before that, I remember being asked a question, if something were to happen tonight and you were not to survive, what would happen to your soul? And in that moment, whenever I was asked that question, I realized that I was without hope. And so that may be the case with you. But you don't have to leave here without hope. I encourage you to leave in a right relationship with Christ. And if there's something that we can do to help you, either in obedience or repentance, or even just prayer on your behalf, whatever we can do to help you, we'd be glad to do so. Together we stand and as we stand.